Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. We're the NC Wine Guys. Welcome to a special holiday episode of Cork Talk. This episode features four fellow bloggers here in North Carolina. We talk about what you should look for in holiday wine and food pairings and discuss specific styles of wine. Wine Class with the Wine Mouths is back. This time, Jesse and Jessica talk to us about Cabernet Franc. This episode is made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council. You can learn more about the council by going to their website, ncwine.org. So sit back, pour a glass, and listen. All right, well, welcome everybody to our holiday pairing episode. We are here with some great blogger friends uh, in the North Carolina wine scene. Uh, we wanted to extend it to our kind of blogging and social media community to make sure that we give them all the opportunity to, uh, you know, talk about the wines that interest them and what makes a great holiday pairing for their tables. Um, let's do a quick round of introduction. Um, so, Pam, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Um, my name is Pam Riley. I am the creator of Food and Wine Chronicles, and I am a resident uh, three years now of North, uh, North Carolina. Great. Thanks, Pam. Uh, Jessica, how about you go next? Sure. So I'm Jessica, and together with my best friend and business partner, Jesse, who's not with us tonight, um, but normally is my right-hand girl. Um, so we are the Wine Mouths, and we started about 11 years ago now trying to visit all the different wineries in North Carolina. Started a wine blog. We've since pivoted more into a wine education aspect. So via our social media and now back to in-person events in 2021 this year, finally, um, we provide wine education. have been on your podcast and we always try to bring it back home to North Carolina wine. Well, we appreciate it and excited about the in-person events. So always fun to do. Arthur, how about you? Let's go for you next. Thank you. Um, my name is Arthur Barham. I am the creator of Merlot to Muscadine, media dedicated to promoting North Carolina vineyards, wineries, cideries, meaderies. I am also a native North Carolinian, and I can proudly say that I have visited over 135 North Carolina vineyards and wineries. That's an awful lot, Arthur. Mm-hmm. He gets around. <laughs> All right. And and Dave, let's go ahead for you next. Okay. I'm Dave Nershey. I am publisher of Venosphere, and this is a blog that covers wine, food, and travel. So it includes winery visits, tasting notes, events, etc. Uh, I'm located in the Raleigh area. Perfect. Excellent. Glad to have everyone and happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays. So let's go ahead and kick this off. So just as a quick little overview for the listeners, um, we really wanted this episode to be kind of a conversation about food pairings that we really like, uh, what makes a really great holiday pairing, uh, and then we're going to really break it up into segments. So the first one's really going to be about kind of our preferences and what we're talking about. And then uh, we'll go into our quick little break, and then we will have our second half of the episode, which will be all about a specific style of wine and then what we would pair with that wine itself. Um, so with that, let's just go ahead and, and dive right into the conversation. Uh, who wants to go ahead and kick us off? You guys are cruel. <laughs> um, when I think about holiday pairings, of course, I tend to revert to the very first thing all of us learned, which is red wine, red meat, white wine, white meat, rosé, if you have no idea. 
But as we were joking about earlier, sparkling wine, which I'm sure Pam will elaborate on later, pairs with a lot of things. But I have two rules, and I kind of stole them from a mutual friend of ours, Joe and Matt. And when you hear these rules, you'll know who I stole them from. The first thing I think about is what grows together goes together. Exactly. Okay. So in areas where beef is prevalent, I look for a varietal that is native to that area. Seafood, of course, I'm looking for a varietal close to the coast. But one thing that person also taught me is that the acid in wine can do wonderful things with the richness and savoriness of a lot of foods. It can cut through the fat. It can make it a, a, a dish a lot more palatable. And I think that's what you're really wanting us to elaborate on is how wines can actually make foods taste better. Absolutely. That's why I like those. I, I love wine with a bit of acid. It, it, do, it does pair uh, better with food, in my opinion, um, because it just, I don't know, that cuts through the fat, as you mentioned, if it's some fatty meal, but certainly... The thing that I love most about food and wine is when you get that magic and it elevates, the pairing elevates both the food and the wine. To piggyback on those two comments, uh, we've got a couple of rules. I think there's another one, you know, what is the best pairing there can be? Well, first of all, the wine should be something that you like. I mean, you yes. should please yourself as you're doing this. But that being said, uh, foods and wines have different flavors, textures, and aromas. And when you match them, it will give you new flavors and textures and a much more creative uh, dish and combination as Joe was alluding to. So uh, a good rule is the more flavorful the food is, the more flavorful the wine should be. And one other uh, tidbit just to throw in there, when you're doing holiday entertaining, you're going to find people with all different levels of wine experience. And so uh, sometimes in golf, Arthur had his golf clubs out. Sometimes you have to hit it into the middle of the fairway. And so you want to have something that is a real crowd pleaser. So if you like Riesling, for example, you may want, not want to have a super sweet or a uh, super dry Riesling. You might want one that's an off dry that will appeal to the novice as well as a, a, an experienced wine lover. Also very great recommendations. You don't want a wine that's going to cause grievances. You want a wine that's going to be kind <laughs> of something that's, you know, pleasant and pleasing to most people that are going to be there. Yes. And Arthur, I think you had mentioned, uh, if you don't know, uh, pick rosé. But I think those who do know also pick rosé. Because rosé is just a great opportunity or option uh, for any of the holiday pairings, depending on the food you're having. But if you like it, just drink it. I like rosé, so I drink it. Yeah, and that's always been our approach with the wine mouths is drink what you like. We are very casual to our food pairings. So for us, like I would say anything that we're looking for for a um, holiday would be something that's pretty versatile and crowd-pleasing 
And then, of course, got to make that plug for something that we could provide a little education to the, our potential guests that we might be hosting. And then something to bring it back home to North Carolina, North Carolina, because we have such an opportunity to, like, you know, we've met the winemakers. We, we know how it was made, you know, like what, what a great opportunity to share that. That's actually a really interesting thought. So tell us a little bit more about um, the education piece. So if you're bringing a, a bottle of wine to a party, to a friend's house or something like that, what pieces of knowledge do you want to try and share with them? Great question. Yeah. So that's kind of become my go-to host hostess hostess gift over the years over the time because it does provide that talking point you can talk about the varietal of course how it grows in North Carolina kind of the potential that it has in this industry in this location and how it produces a, a good wine and then how it might compare to a more traditional production I suppose like if it were a you know Cabernet Franc is one of our favorites mm-hmm. so a North Carolina Cab Franc is going to be very different than a old world cab bronc but comparing that and having that talking point very true absolutely pam what are your thoughts what do you what do you look for in a in a pairing when i look for pairings because we do very non-traditional holiday foods we typically don't i mean for us we typically don't do the turkey the ham the dressing we sort of in my household travel around the world with the meals that we provide during the holidays for guests and for our family So we tend to pick things that sort of match those regions to some degree and pair with those. And sometimes we even step outside the box because we find that more interesting. And as everyone else has agreed to, is that, you know, you want to have something that is enjoyable for everyone. So we tend to try to provide a palette of of things for people to try, to taste, not just with the food, but with the wines. I typically never serve... Like people will say, well, you know, you serve this with an aperitif. I, there's always like a few wines and a few aperitifs and things like that. So I think for me and the culture that I live in and how we celebrate, which a lot of other people do as well, is we tend to look for wines that sort of match the cultural vibe of what we're serving. We usually do. I have been trying to provide like a a North Carolina wine to sort of introduce people to those types of wines here in North Carolina, because most of our friends are not local. They come from other states. Um, Our friends and family, they come in from other states, some wine drinkers, some not. But we try to provide an opportunity for everybody to explore and get to know overall about what wine is. And overall about the food culture, because for me, I'm just, I'm not just a person who loves wine. I'm very much a foodie. So that's where we combine those two things. And that's where we do the sharing and the teaching, because if the food is interesting enough and the wine is interesting enough, the education comes because people got questions. They're going to have questions. So I'll address a little bit more of that. I have a lot of that in my little segment that you guys will allow me, I hope. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think you hit on a good point, too. So you have a lot of friends and family coming from out of town or out of state. Yes. There are so many states making wine. It's a great thing to just, you know, bring a bottle from another state to when you're visiting because that would be fun. You can taste it. You can experience something different. Um, we had someone give us a, uh, a wine from Maine one time, uh, and that was interesting. Uh, I think it was a 
think it was a Riesling, but yes, it was, it was, uh, you know, it, it's just very interesting to have different wines from different regions. So Joe, what do you think about, uh, when, when you're talking about kind of your ideal, what makes a good wine pairing and food pairing for the holidays? Yes. Um, so, so for me, it really does. I really do like the, the pairing aspect. So, uh, but you can't go wrong with sparkling. Uh, and I know Pam's going to talk to us more about that, either just from a, a welcome wine or, or even to have it with food. And certainly, as, as folks have said, if you've got a, you know, folks that are kind of new to wine, then it's probably a good idea to have something, as I think Dave mentioned, an off-dry pairing. But certainly introduce folks to not only wine, but mead and cider and, and even, you know, we're in North Carolina, so muscadine wine. I mean, I'm thinking uh, a good dry muscadine with, the, or even a, even a sweeter muscadine with, with a ham and with pineapple would be a phenomenal pairing. Um, but just, you know, just keeping in mind who, who's coming and, and that sort of thing. And you can't go wrong with mulled wine either. That's a good way to kind of mm-hmm. either begin the meal or end the meal, in my opinion. To me, that's that's one of the things I look forward to in the holidays is, is mulled wine. We actually have a, our, per, our personal recipe on our website. So you can go out there and look at it at ncwinecars.com. Thank you. I was going to ask if you had a good mulled wine. Recipe. Yeah, it's actually a mulled wine and cider. So it, it, it uses traditional, not, not hard cider. It uses regular cider. It also has port as well as, as well as red wine, a bunch of spices and, and some orange zest and ginger and all that. Um, so it, it's a little bit complicated, but it, it really works. It's worth um, it too. And it's worth the effort. So you have to toast the spices. You want to do the zest and um, yeah, you got to release those flavors and yeah and it's uh you know it's very you might find it odd but it has rosemary's and rosemary and black peppercorn and allspice and that sort of thing as part of the spices so uh, but you can put all of that in a cheesecloth bundle and then just fish it out at the end and not have to search for everything so to pick yeah, it back like, i'm oh, sorry Matt, I no, you go ahead, you. no you go ahead but i i feel like mulled wine sometimes can have a bad rap because you see those prepackaged yeah kits and it's just all sugar so I like the idea of kind of picking and choosing the spices and, and putting some care and some time into it. Yeah. So here the in, in this recipe, the, the sugar comes from the, the apple cider and the port and I guess technically maybe a little bit of the bourbon. I forgot to mention there's bourbon in it as well. So there's no added sugar. Um, so. It keeps getting better. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's perfect for a nice cool we'll, day. We'll be sure to include the, the link to the, to the, uh, recipe in the show notes as well. And you can do most of it in the crock pot. So you maybe do a little bit of it on the stovetop and then just put it all together in the crock pot. So the first few steps are maybe a little more difficult, but then after that, it gets pretty easy. And the good news is, I mean, if it doesn't, if you don't drink it all, which it's easy to put do. Put it in the fridge, reheat it. Yeah, you just put it, it in the fridge and then just fine. reheat it the next day or whenever you want it again. And it'll hold for a while. It's 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 fortified wine and port and everything else. So it's it's really good. Mrs. Barham makes an excellent mulled wine. She's actually going to be making it tomorrow. And we have made so much of it that we actually have some left over. Okay, because I tend to drink it. I tend to drink it as soon as we make it. That's fine. But I, I, I agree with Joe beginning or end i I like mine slightly warm 
Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With maybe a slice of lemon or a slice of orange sure. floating in sure. it. Nice little citrus lift for sure. The, the wife is in the background screaming cinnamon stick. <laughs> oh, yes. We've got to have cinnamon stick. So one of the things that I was going to piggyback on, it's something that Joe had mentioned, Pam is something that you mentioned, and uh, you know Jessica as well. The variety is just really offering a good variety to everyone. Uh, and, and one of the things that I like that we do during the holidays is we kind of embrace the really localness of it. So we will have North Carolina wines, but we'll also have, I'm from the Finger Lakes area of upstate New York. So we'll also have a couple Finger Lakes wines as well to kind of represent who we are to say, hey, you're coming to our home. We're going to have these wines available for you because we want to share them. So we'll have a Riesling or a Gewürztraminer from the Finger Lakes. We'll have some reds or rosés or ports from here uh, in North Carolina. And then other places that we've kind of visited and really cherish and enjoy. It's about sharing what's special to you with those that you care about. Right. And you also want to be considerate, I think, of the group of individuals that you are entertaining. I found that, you know, I may not be a Moscato fan, but that doesn't stop me from trying to find some really good, interesting um, Moscatos that maybe these individuals do enjoy that they have not tried. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you also have to be very conscious of who is going to be there um, so that while you have a diverse range of things, it, you can have a lot of wine and you can have, and I've had it happen, which is what brought me my attention to that. You can have a lot of different wines and you can have a person that doesn't like any of them because you weren't considerate enough to consider that everybody's palate is different and people like different things. And so usually around the holidays, the people you're inviting are people you mm -hmm. know very well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a big part of what you need to, to have available. Um, and that takes some research sometimes because I don't like Moscato. I'm not even going to yeah. tell you. I haven't <laughs> tasted one. But I, but I do go out and I do go to tastings and I do taste them and I listen to what the people that I, my friends say, because when they come over, I want them to have, to be able to enjoy the full experience. Uh, and Matt, just to uh, pick up on the thread here that, that Pam has started in terms of being considerate for your guests, uh, one thing is to keep in mind that uh, if you're having a holiday party, you might be tasting an awful lot of wines. So you should be taking a look at the uh, ABV, you know, how high is the alcohol content? Because if you're serving four Cabernets with 14.5% alcohol, nobody's going to make it through to the end. First so of all, I'm dead. You, the host ain't going to make it, so you guys can find me. <laughs> So if you have, you know, uh, some lighter wines sparkling and, and white wines typically have uh, lower alcohol. Mm -hmm. And another thing uh, pertaining to the food is that you should plan on serving throughout the whole event. If this is a party, don't put all your food out at the beginning mm -hmm. because... Right. Nobody wants to have that shrimp that's been sitting out for four <laughs> hours, you know, so save so. some, bring it out later. It will be a surprise. It'll be fresh. And also that'll provide a little padding for people who are continuing to enjoy the, the wine or cider or mead. Mm -hmm. And Uber and Lyft are your friends. 
And if they would like to sponsor the podcast, please contact us. <laughs> and and okay. we, I, I will say we are big fans of kind of drawing out the dinner occasion or the, the, the dinner event or the food event. Um, I mean, it's not uncommon to be eating for, you know, three hours or so, but it's not huge amounts of food. It's kind of smaller portions and it is kind of spaced out. So you can enjoy the pairing of the wine and the food. And then if you don't like it, you don't have to drink it. You can you can move on to the next one or go back to the previous one. So we also try not to finish all the wine for that pairing, too, because you don't want to to your point, Dave, you you don't want people walking out of there, or you know, rolling out of there or stumbling out of there. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we want them to have a good time and enjoy themselves. But remember it later on. Has anyone had any like really bad pairings that you would not recommend or things that you would say mm -hmm. avoid this? Mm -hmm. But it's probably not the kind of food that most people would think again. So my part of this segment is going to be very different. I, you know, I guess I should say that up front because what we, our culture is very different. We don't do the traditional stuff for the most part, but I have yet, and this is very honest because a lot of people don't eat them anyway. Have I have yet to find anything that pairs with greens. In my culture, mm -hmm. greens are on my table all the time. Um, for holidays when you go to other people's house. I don't, I've eaten so much of them in my life, it wouldn't be my favorite thing to serve. And I traditionally don't serve any of that type of thing. So that's why I said, I mean, there always is, but I have lots of friends that, um, and family, and, you know, they'll always tell me because for whatever reason, they think I know something about wine. Bring the wine, you pick the wine, let her get the wine. There's nothing that I've found especially the way that we prepare them. There's lots of fat, there's lots of uh -huh. garlic, there's lots of really pungent flavors. And they can still be, even with the vinegar, the salt, they can still be very bitter. Even people say, well, maybe a little bit of a, a wine that has a little bit of sweet, it doesn't, it doesn't work. I haven't found anything that pairs uh -huh. with grains. And those, that's a very big item on a lot of tables, especially I know in the South, but especially in the African-American color culture. Yes, so that's, that's on my list of bad matches with wine. So bitter <laughs> greens, uh, some mm -hmm. others, artichokes, yeah. asparagus, spinach, uncooked tomatoes, vinaigrette, salad dressing. I have olives here, although I think I've found some wines that do pair with olives, mm -hmm. but... Uh, um, so those are some foods that find something else. Give them a glass I'm of gonna water. I'm going to have to get with you, David, because those artichokes, you just haven't had them right, baby. Come on. All right. We got to well, get together and hook you up. If anyone can cook them, I know you can. <laughs> Arthur, there's got to be something that you can't pair wine with. I see you eating and drinking all the time. <laughs> I, 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 I have to confess, I've never had anything I couldn't pair with wine. Yes, okay. I love my greens, but I never have wine with them, Pam. I drink <laughs> okay. beer. I usually okay. drink beer when I have greens. <laughs> well, I, I you think know what? One of, Good. One of the hardest things I paired, you're going to laugh, was barbecue. But that is where part of my affinity for muscadine wine comes from. Because several muscadine wines pair very well with barbecue. What kind oh, yeah. of barbecue are you cooking, young man? That you well, can hear believe me, I go eastern, I go western, I've I've done it all, and 
you know, if you have a mustard base, you're going to lean one way. If you have a tomato base, you're going to lean. Yeah, but there's always an option for the pairing. And you're right. I do agree. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I'm not saying I couldn't pair it, but it was one of the more difficult. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit about barbecue and uh, wine that might go with that uh, later on. Okay. I see where he went with that. I see what you did. (laughs) Segway. It's time again for Wine Class with the Wine Mouths. Jesse and Jessica, welcome back. Thank you. So this is our last tour of the grape varieties. So what variety are we going to end with this year? We're going to talk about one of our favorites, collectively as the Wine Mouths, um, which is Cabernet Franc. It's one of my favorites, too. Yeah, there's always a soft spot for Cab Franc. Absolutely. So tell us more. So Cab Franc is a French grape. It is used... Sometimes for blending, like in um, on in the right bank in that area of France, would be used to blend with Merlot. The Loire Valley in France would special uh, specializes in Cab Franc, though, as a standalone varietal, which we do see here in North Carolina as well, both a standalone varietal or blended with others. So, do you have a preference on which one, uh, the Bordeaux variety or the Loire style? It's a tough question. I mean, you can't go wrong. <laughs> and I feel like it's easy to pick out the Cab Franc when they are blended. And so I was like, oh, that's why I like Always adds that little bit of je ne sais quoi. Exactly. So how does it do growing in the vineyard then? So Cab Franc does well. It produces good quality wine and it can go across a variety of climates. We see it grown in many places. It has thin skin but it also has hardiness for the grapes. It ripens earlier than Cab Sauv. So in some areas like North Carolina, with threats of um, weather or hurricanes, it can be um, a good insurance grape because you will probably be able to get a good yield. It is also the parent of Cabernet Sauvignon. So you will see some similarities in the vineyard and winery with, with the two cabs. One of the greatest worries with cab is it has a susceptibility to lethal virus but yeah we see it a lot in north carolina and it, it grows well here definitely one of the staples for sure so how does it do in the winery it also does well in the winery you know it's one of your bordeaux grapes so historically it was used for blending i feel like in north carolina you see it often as a standalone but i feel like it's also a backbone for any North Carolina red blend as well. It just adds, you know, more of a green vegetal character or kind of an earthy herbaceous character as well if you want that to come through in your wine. And sometimes it's blended too so that that characteristic isn't so overpowering. So you want something else that doesn't have that um, to blend with it. So it's one of those wines or grapes that some people love and some people, you know, that bell pepper is a, is a turnoff for, but we love it. But the bell pepper aroma is, it's an aroma compound. It's a pyrazine. So they occur naturally in Cabernet Franc. And actually it's interesting. The, that aroma compound is kind of that vines natural defense against pests. Very cool. I guess I never realized that. So what foods would you pair with Cabernet Franc? 
So Cabernet Franc is pretty medium, medium, right in the middle. <laughs> so medium body, medium tannin and acidity. So it could go with a variety of things. would recommend it with tomato-based dishes, especially here in North Carolina, a Lexington-style barbecue. Yes. Um, yeah, right? Um, so that just that acid vinegar-based barbecue with some of those crinkly cut french fries. <laughs> I can go for that. And some, you know, little squeezed packets of ketchup <laughs> that you get from those, those barbecue joints. But um, also some gamey meats. So lamb, duck, rabbit, even venison could go well. Completely agree. I think um, it is, in my mind, one of the ideal pairings for North Carolina barbecue. So I think that's just... You can't go wrong with that one. Um, it's just one that tastes so good and kind of goes down super easy. Let's not forget the hush puppies. Uh, yeah, you got to have oh, those. Gosh, hush puppies. I love the diversity of Cabernet <laughs> Franc. You can have it oaked, you can have it unoaked. It makes a good rose. It's just one of those varieties that is very versatile. And you could, because of that, you can, can pair it with a variety of foods depending on the style that you get your wine. So, absolutely. And I think. Once you kind of learn to identify it, at least speaking personally, you can spot it in anything. Yes. Ah, I got it. (laughs) There it is. There's that Capron that I know and love so well. It's almost like cilantro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, kind of, because, you know, people either love it or hate it, so. (laughs) True, true. Well, I think we're all in the... I have the Cabernet Franc gene. (laughs) (laughs) And I was going to say, I think we are all in the We Love Cab Franc campaign so that, that's good mm-hmm. perfect well any other final words on cab franc yeah just try some today or tomorrow or the next day and the day after that good advice <laughs> definitely agree well jesse and jessica <laughs> as always this has been a great time thank you for the whole year of taking us through all the varietals i think we've all learned something and we definitely appreciate it and we will talk again soon thanks, thanks for having us you can find out more information about the Winemouths by going to their website, winemouths.com, or on Facebook and Instagram at Winemouths. That's W-I-N-E-M-O-U-T-H-S. And now, back to the show. All right. So I think, you know, great conversation, great advice. I uh, definitely think that our listeners are going to enjoy that part. Let's go ahead and move into the, the second half of this. And we'll actually, we'll dive right into the wine features that we're going to talk about. Uh, and then kind of move into our individual segments. So um, let's go ahead and start it off uh, because, um, you know, typically sparkling wine would come first. Pam, let's go ahead and kick off with you. So I think, you know, for the larger community, people typically pair the sparkling wines. It's always like the aperitif and whatever you choose to do uh, walking in the door, it's usually cheese or oysters or, you know, things like that. I think for me, my go-to usually is, and I pulled it up on my phone because I hate saying it. I always feel like I don't say it right. So that's usually my go-to. Can you guys see that? Uh, It looks like a rosé. It is. I never say it right. It's Schramberg. Okay, Schramberg, yeah. Yes, Mm -hmm. okay. So that's usually my go-to because I think it adds a healthy bit of richness to, um, but I, I do drink. Uh, sparkling wine with with food 
during the holidays, not just as you walk in the door to give you a little something. You know, I, I think that sparkling wine goes really well too with meals. And some people prefer to have something that has a little acid to it, a little bubbles to it, to rinse down some of those heavy flavors um, that we tend to cook with in my culture and in, in the cultures of foods that we, we cook with. Um, so that is one of the things. So I, I think for me, one of the go-tos just, it's, it's pretty affordable. It's about 40 bucks. It's about 40 bucks a bottle. Um, and so for people that don't mind paying a little bit more for the wine, if I had to go for a larger crowd, I think you need to keep it affordable. So this is one of the wines. And again, let me see if you can see it. I'm sure that my light isn't working the way it should for this. Is that better? Can you guys see yeah, this? If you hold it closer. Okay, yeah, Domaine Carneros. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's one of the sort of go-to affordable wines. I think you have to have something affordable. And while I didn't really, I can't say that I found a uh, North Carolina sparkling wine, uh, rosé, that, that I would do i found a couple of other sparkling wines so this and you know i know they're pretty popular here not i, I kind of think it's more commercialized now at this point but i but out of all the ones they have i do enjoy the biltmore estates mm -hmm. champagne um i think it's really affordable i think it's really good i think it's really a crowd, crowd pleaser and i think it goes well with a lot of dishes that are traditionally served during the holidays and you don't just have to do that as an chief. The other one I found, and my friend over here will be happy about this one, um, which I think for the Schramberg, that's not the rosé, just the regular one. I think this is a really good comparison. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so this one, you know, again, I think it has a lot of flavors that match and go really good. It's made in the in the traditional method way, so I think it works really well with a lot of with a lot of dishes. Like a lot of people like to cook a dressing and things like that that have a lot of flavor to them. And you need something to rinse off that palate. You know, a lot of people heavy gravies and things like that. So I just don't believe that you need to just use sparkling wine as your aperitif. I think it can be offered at the dinner table. And those are some of the ones that I found that I, I really do enjoy that are affordable because if you have a large volume of people, of course, you don't want to just be serving gobs of wine, but you do want to let people enjoy enough. And if you have, you know, when we have an event, we usually have 20 or 30 people just because we're, we have so many family and friends that you want something affordable, but something that's good. And that, I think those give you good, good options to be but to, to pick one of those, you know, I, I really do like the, the Biltmore and the Raldafini as far as sparklings. And you can use them in a wide range. We like to get up in the mornings um, on Christmas, which is one of the rare days that we do it and do brunch. And while I don't necessarily appreciate wine and wine, I can tell you they make some great mimosas, too. They just do. Mm. You know, that's, that's kind of our, the starter. And then, then you can just continue to use it, you know, through the day during your pairings, during your aperitif. You don't have to go out and buy a whole bunch of wine. People think they have to have many, many different bottles. You don't. You can buy a few different really good bottles, really tasty bottles, and use them throughout the evening or the day, however you celebrate. 
for me, like I said, mine is more about cultural food and stuff. And I think they work really well with that. There's a number of items. We make very different things. I was just talking to my husband about um, fried oysters. Mm-hmm. That's um, one of the things that, you know, will be it. But, but if you have anything that has the slightest bit of grease in it um, or oil, you some people call it oil. I'm country. I call it grease, fat, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. You know, it's they're really good palate cleansers, and that's what I like. And even after the meal, which people always think you need to have a dessert, you need to have some sweet, and maybe you do, but we tend to put the dessert off because after you eat some food, you might want to. So, you know, this is something that you can have like a sip of, and you don't get super intoxicated from that type of thing. So just a few, there are a few sparkling rosés from North Carolina I'd like to highlight to, to go with that, Pam. So uh, Method Chimpanzee from Parker Benz. It's done in the Method Champenoise. Uh, apparently Bob couldn't say the word Champenoise, so he called it Chimpanzee, and so that's the name of the wine. Uh, it's their sparkling rosé. Uh, I believe it's only available at the winery, and it's possible mm-hmm. it's sold out at the moment. Uh, okay. Also Wish from Addison Farms. Again, small production, winery only. Uh, Asin Farms is in Leicester, north of Asheville. And uh, McRitchie usually has a sparkling rosé. Typically, it's, I think, forced carbonation, but occasionally he will have one that is traditional method. Um, and so there's, those are some options uh, for some good sparkling uh, rosés in North Carolina. Well, we'll have to check them out. Those, sure. You know, I've tried. I can't, like I said, you know, I have only been here for a few years. So, right. I, but and a lot of those are only available at the winery. So. Okay, well, you know, that's that's good to know. Gives me some options, absolutely. Yeah, and North Carolina Uh, is making really good bounds with sparkling wine, so definitely a lot of options. Looking, seeing that more. Uh, Yeah, yeah. A couple of uh, thoughts on what Pam shared. There's some really great information. You know, sparkling wine is not just your arrival wine, Mm -hmm. and uh, so for Thanksgiving we did with our main course we had a sparkling. Pinot Noir from Germany. So that's not a place that you would expect. And then uh, we recently had a meal with a sparkler with dessert. Now this was Asti Spumante, a wine I hadn't had in many years because it was too sweet for my palate, but we had it with tiramisu and it was a great match. So you can even find a sparkler for dessert if you're uh, so inclined. I think to Pam's point, sparkling wine, just anytime. I think that's a good thing. Yes. Great. Well, Pam, thank you very much for sharing. We definitely appreciate that. Let's move into white wine next. So uh, Jessica, why don't you go ahead and take us off with white wine? So I guess with like traditional Southern Christmas holiday food, you wouldn't necessarily pair a white wine with like your, I don't know, it depends on what you're having. Like I wouldn't necessarily pair it with your ham dinner. Your greens, obviously, we've talked about how that's a hard pairing. But I did pick an Arcazzatelli, um, which I mm-hmm. have from Davis Day, which is not all gone, I'd like to point out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I picked this one because it is, it's pretty approachable. And it's a, a very unusual varietal. Nobody else that I know of is growing it in North Carolina. It's not one that you see on the shelves or would necessarily know to look for when you're shopping for your holiday wines, I guess. Um, but it is pretty versatile, crowd-pleasing, and it has that educational opportunity, which, you know, sings out to the wine mouths. 
I think it could stand its own against like a nice, savory, aromatic turkey and stuffing kind of fare. I think it could hold its own with that. I wouldn't necessarily pair it with a ham. See, I would pair it with ham as long as the ham had pineapple with it. Oh, or possibly some sort of citrus. But if it's just ham itself, then 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 I would agree with you that that I wouldn't do that. If you've got some sort of fruit element with the ham, then I think it would go nicely with ham. Gotcha. I could see that for sure. That's definitely opening my eyes. And so, to Pam's point, um, how she kind of has you know foods that you might not expect sometimes. We like to try and focus more vegetarian-wise, so I think our Catsatelli mm-hmm. would be a great vegetarian-friendly uh, wine uh, pairing as well. So anything from, like, winter squashes or roasted vegetables, I think you could easily get away with for sure. with, with, a, with our yeah. that. Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, lentils and mm-hmm. roasted veggies for mm-hmm. sure. Feta cheese, a little saltiness. Oh, oh, yeah. That could be really good. I could see that. Very cool. And uh, just uh, to uh, tag along here, you mentioned ham, and uh, it sounds like our Catsatelli might, under certain conditions, uh, work. But also Riesling is sort of a uh, a prime match with ham. So if you're going to uh, have a white wine, that would uh, that would be a pick, and you can dial the sweetness up or down uh, to to find a good match with your ham. I like that one, Dave. And then to continue on with the aromatics, um, I mean, Gewürztraminer is always a good one, but here in North Carolina, you definitely find Traminette, uh, which is a relative mm-hmm. of Gewürztraminer. And it, it also can come in, you know, really dry, but also slightly sweet. And I think those kind of floral spicy notes would go nicely with a good ham. All right. So let's move into red wine next. Jesse, uh, Jessica, I'm sorry. Thank you very much for that. We definitely appreciated you sharing the white. Um, You're very welcome. Dave, why don't you talk to us a little bit about some red wine now? Okay, so we'll we'll talk about reds, and there are some uh, different factors to think about when you're serving red wines because you can have red wines that are high in acidity. So Pinot Noir would fall in that category. Uh, Chianti would also fall into that category, and I know we've got some. Uh, great producers in the state here of uh, Italian varieties. Uh, You also have potentially high alcohol wines. If you're getting into Cabernet, it can be 14.5% ABV and high tannin wines. So you have to be careful that you don't knock out your your guests with, with too much, with wines that are too big. And they also can overpower your entree. So if you're serving a milder, more delicate meal, you know, turkey, a Pinot Noir might be a a good match, whereas a Cabernet would uh, sort of knock out all those delicate flavors. My daughter is a vegan, so we're doing a lot of uh, plant-based meals. And again, you're talking about a lot of uh, delicate flavors there that could easily, you wouldn't pair it with a a Napa a Cabernet, for example. But I look at uh, acid as sort of a turbocharger for flavor. Okay, so when you add the uh, the acidic wine like a Pinot Noir, um, it can work very well with salty foods. The wine makes it taste a little softer and less acidic. It's also, and Pam was mentioning this, sparkling 
certainly does this and acidic wines as well. They're great for dishes that have cream or cheese sauces since it helps rinse your taste buds. And uh, you just have to be careful that you're not pairing an acidic wine with acidic food because the results could be, could be a, a bad deal. So when you're looking at uh, high alcohol wines, uh, and this would be a lot of wines from California, Australia would fall into that category. So they're great with substantial dishes, roasted meats, grilled lamb, and they also work well, Arthur, with dishes that are slightly sweet, uh, like meats with barbecue sauce. So I'm not sure about how that would pair with the mustard-based uh, barbecue sauce, but certainly the sweeter, uh, it would work pretty well. But as I was looking at some of the uh, North Carolina wines, it looks like some of the Bordeaux-style blends and Cabernet, they're not as high in alcohol as you'll find out in California, which is sort of a good thing. Um, so you also have the, uh, the situation with tannins, you know, the things that are drying out your mouth and help a wine age. So Cabernet Sauvignon falls in that category. Barolo is another one. And they work great with fatty foods like steak, and that fat makes it taste so delicious. So they help dry out the oiliness in your mouth and enhance the flavor of the food. And interestingly enough, I, I've always heard that, you know, the tannins cut the fat. Well, they, they really don't. But what happens is the uh, fat sort of coats your tongue and then the tannins lock into those uh, fatty proteins and wash them down your mouth as you're sipping. So those are a couple of tips and you have to know your wine. But in terms of reds, uh, three that I think are particularly good for this time of year would include Pinot Noir. It's very versatile and there are wide ranges. Uh, some of my favorites uh, come from Russian River Valley uh, in Sonoma and also Willamette Valley in Oregon. Uh, Carneros is another great region. We saw wine from there earlier. And so that's great. Chianti, based on Sangiovese, is another one that's nice and juicy, and it's just a, a lovely wine. And then finally, Cabernet. And Cabernet would be a pick if you like prime rib or roast beef. Also, if you have sauces that are uh, very bold, you know, mustards, horseradish, blue cheese, peppercorn sauce. Then you want a bolder, riper red to pair with that. So th those are a few matches. I did want to mention another grape because I recently was at a tasting of Austrian wine, and that's Blaufrankisch, also known as Lemberger. And so that's a lighter style red wine and I think it has a lot of the same attributes as Pinot Noir. I think there are a lot of good picks uh, in North Carolina for the Italian, you know, Sangiovese, as well as Bordeaux-style blends. And so uh, I'm not sure, Matt and Joe, if you have any NC suggestions there. Well, certainly from, from a Sangio perspective, 
Um, Raffaldini is always always comes to mind, as does Percioni next door, and Childress usually has a very good Sangiovese. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking about Pinot Noir, which of course is very difficult to find in North Carolina. There might be yeah. a, a few rows here and there, but uh, Chamberson is a great alternative to Pinot Noir, um, being that French American hybrid that grows really well in North Carolina. Uh, has has that um, you know usually lower tannin, high acidity uh, that you would expect from Pinot Noir. Uh, you can actually find uh, Blau Frankish in North Carolina at a very few places. I know uh, Mark Tree grows Blau mm-hmm. Frankish. Of course, they call it uh, Limburger, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark Tree's there uh, in Flat Rock near Hendersonville, and so certainly that could be an option as well. And you know those Bordeaux varieties, Petit Verdot. Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, you can find those uh, across the Yeah, Western, and I, I wanted Western to mention Africa. you uh, talked about Petit Verdot. And so this is Petit Verdot from Point Lookout, and it's quite nice. So this is a, a, a grape that I really enjoy. I know Arthur is a big fan of it as well. So we'll uncork this at some time in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I do love my Petit Verdot. And I'd like to throw in a plug for the Limburger at Rock of Ages. That's the other location in, I think uh, it has. Person it. Yep. County. I happen to have a bottle in my cellar and I'm holding on to it like grim death because it <laughs> is to die for. And again, not a varietal you, you find very common in this state. Certainly not. And here's here's an example of a really nice Bordeaux style blend. This is the a flat rock red from marked tree. And so the wineries in that uh, crest of the Blue Ridge AVA are doing a really great job with the red wines. Well, Dave, thank you very much for sharing. We appreciate all the advice on red there. Arthur, let's move into you now. What are you going to tell us about? Well, Joe and Matt, first and foremost, thank you so much for assembling these people. I just love seeing them and their faces on the screen and dialoguing with them. It's been way too long, and I look forward to the time when we can do it again in person. As I mentioned earlier, I was head and feet first headed towards sparkling, but my good friend Pam, she got that. I'm cool. I'm okay with that. But then I am so glad I selected cider because... As I told you, I did my homework. I visited no less than three local cideries, which I will tell you about in a second. And I had forgotten what a diverse beverage this is. It can be full-bodied. It can be fruity. It can be sweet. It can be dry. It can even be slightly tannic. And I tasted the whole spectrum in preparation for this discussion. What I found out is many of the ciders, as you know, are full-bodied, and these full-bodied ciders pair very well with rich, savory dishes like soups, stews, mild curries, and even some of your pies that have what I call winter spices, sage, cinnamon, cardamom, clove, full-bodied ciders pair well, very well with those. Many ciders pair well with meat, chicken, pork, and one I 
like to use is pork belly. And Pam, you know what we call it. We call it fat back, okay? But <laughs> uh, again, that fat acid combo is something that I just really, really love when it comes to pairing food and wine. Ham, bacon, and of course, turkeys, many ciders were pair well with the turkey or, or fowl on your table. And that was, as I was saying earlier, I had forgotten my love for Cornish game hens. And I'm actually working on a little recipe I'm going to post where I pair a local cider with Cornish game hens. Pam, I love them because you cut one in half, a whole, a whole hen, cut it in half, and serve that half to a person, it, it can be a very, very elegant meal. Um, I, I also would tell your listeners, Joe and Matt, that anything that they would pair with a Chardonnay will often pair very well with a fruity cider because it's kind of the same flavor profile. But again, many ciders pair well with creamy pasta dishes. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't remind everybody that when you have salty, savory cheeses like Gouda, Manchego, maybe a sharp cheddar from Wisconsin, even a brie or a blue cheese, these were pair very well with cider and of course if we're talking about pairing food and wine over the holidays you have to go down the dessert road and again cider is such a versatile beverage that it pairs very well with duh apple pie <laughs> because of course most ciders are apple based but uh, I've noticed in a lot of my travels, they have the little cinnamon sugar donuts. And, and, you know, it's almost like putting peanuts on the bar. That salt makes you drink more. Well, when they put these cinnamon sugar donuts out, this cider just flows. And, you know, I, I be, before I finish, I also want to go back to what Dave was saying, because you really should be careful when you are hosting parties about the ABV of what you are serving. And that, again, is a strength of cider because many of them are inherently low in alcohol. Of course, there's some that pump it up high, but you can find a lot of ciders in the 5 to 8 ABV percent range. And your patrons and guests over the holidays can enjoy them and, and, and you don't have to worry about them getting so inebriated. When it comes to desserts, don't forget about crepes paired with cider. And uh, my favorite that I'm going to uh, I'm going to put out a recipe and, and, and post it is I love gingerbread and bread pudding over the holidays. Mm. And these would also pair well with, many many ciders so yes. joe and matt that is what i would recommend pairing cider with for the holidays 
And if you give me just a minute, I will tell you some places in North Carolina that I went and what I sampled. And I have found some gems, okay? The good people down at James Creek Cider have several carbonated ciders that can go semi-dry, dry, sweet, uh, try russets and twigs, which I just happen to have a I bottle of russets and twigs. <laughs> okay. Um, they also have one that is, a, 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 I love this stuff, beehive ginger. Okay. I'm a sucker for ginger. But they also have Mighty Hunter, Shooting Star, and Harvest Moon. But Joe and Matt, you heard it here first. This is Nectar of the Gods. This is Crossbow. It is cider made from muscadine grapes. And I even tried to sneak some into my wife. A professed muscadine grape hater, and she can tolerate it. She likes the red side of this better, but it is full of flavor, very high acid. I would put this with a blackberry cobbler or uh, uh, something uh, fruity, a fruity cobbler. Try this crossbow at James Creek Cider. I also made a quick stop in Durham at Bull City Cider. And this is a bottle of their Off Main, which is one of their more popular ciders. But folks, try their Cran Pappy, which is cranberry cider, Jack and Oak, which is a pumpkin spice cider, and they have one called Bourbonic Tonic, which is a dry barrel-aged cider that has beautiful notes of caramel and vanilla in it, okay? And my final stop, Joe and Matt, was at Botanist and Barrel. I love what those people do up there. They take what most people throw away and turn it into wonderful ciders and beverages. And they had two that caught my eye. This one is called Arkansas Black. Mm, yes. Very soft tannins, very dry. I would put this up with anything I would serve a, a dry white wine with. This Arkansas Black Apple has a very, very unique flavor, okay? And the other one I fell in love with there was called Pardon My French. This is apple cider they have made in a sauterne barrel. And it was aged in this barrel until it takes on some beautiful, not, not really sweet, it's a dry cider, but the sauterne barrel just put that slight little sweetness that you get in, in your tongue. It, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I, I, I'm ready to do it again, okay? <laughs> I Sounds had like a ball going to all the... And I encourage all of you, try cider. I know my good friend, Dave Nurse, she's CSW. My mentor, love him. He's not... I'm going to get him over to the cider side, 
okay? And I think these are the ciders that can do it. I'm ready. Excellent. <laughs> and then- I would say, Arthur, just, just to kind of interject a little bit, I, I hope I didn't overstep, but the good thing about cider um, and, and the holidays, like my husband is a craft beer drinker, but oftentimes he will actually bring home cider. And I'm like, oh, you brought home some cider? He's like, yeah, he likes cider. So I think it's a good sort of in-between um, for mm-hmm. those individuals yes. who may not be wine drinkers and that like that like beer. But also, it, it gives them another option. That's an excellent point. Yes, it's a great crossover too. I mean, it does really well. It it kind of it goes to both sides. It's not as heavy in alcohol. It has a little bit lighter, crisper, but also some good complexity. So it's very mm-hmm. nice. And there's so many good ciders here in North Carolina that you really can't go wrong. There really are. You know, I, I have to say this, and I know this is a wine chat, but there are some there's some really good wines. I haven't tried. All of them, obviously, I've tried the ones that I've tried, and there's some good and bad like there is everywhere. There's some really, really good cider out here. There's some really, really good beer out here. You know, there's the spectrum. So for when you're entertaining, you want to have a little bit of everything for for those individuals who may not just be into wine or beer or cider, but there's always options, I think. And I think cider is one of those things that just even people that don't drink because they, they see it as cider. You know, they say, I don't drink wine. I don't drink alcohol. But for them, for some reason, cider doesn't equate to alcohol. It's apples. <laughs> right, right. It's fruit. It's the fruit tree. Fermented apples. Yes, absolutely. Well, right. Arthur, Arthur, thank you for sharing uh, the ciders with us. I definitely appreciate that. Um, Arthur, I'm sold now on ciders. And I just want to know, are you sponsored by cider? I know, right? <laughs> no, but if you want someone who, who wants to sponsor me, I will go cheap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work for cider, right, Arthur? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and guys, you know what I am so enamored about is the fact that we have no problem drawing parallels between what we are talking about and connections to this state. And yeah. that's what propels me and motivates me to promote North Carolina wine because it is worthy. We talked about Biltmore. We talked about Auguri at Raffaldini. Nobody mentioned Piccioni sparkling. That's true. He has a very good sparkling. I can only afford so much, Arthur. And look, well, you know, you're full-time. They send it to you. (laughs) And look what I have here. This is a sparkling rosé from Tunnel Creek up in Roxborough. And Pam, if you haven't been up there, you This is what happens. He slid into my sparkling segment. Y'all saw that? He just said, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted it, and I didn't get it. But he slid in there, didn't he? No, That's good to to know. Pam, I shared cider with you, okay? You did. You know how you and me are. (laughs) Oil and water. Oil and water. No, just kidding. They really do like each other. They do. I actually do. I, I like him a lot. He's so eccentric. He doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> I wish I had my bow tie on. I know. I was gifted, but I'm. I'll save that for another occasion. Perfect. So we'll get another. We'll get a video chat going, Arthur. A live stream for everyone. We can. We can do that. There you go. Matt, what did you guys pick? So I was going to talk a little bit about uh, mead, and then Joe is going to talk a little bit about a dessert uh-huh. wine. So um, one of the things that we haven't really touched on this conversation really is mead. 
And I think it's just such a unique beverage. Um, it is one of those things where if you're not familiar with it, you may not know where to go. But there are a lot of great samples here, uh, examples here in North Carolina. Everything from the Triangle with, uh, you know, uh, Honey Girl and with uh, Starlight to farther west and western North Carolina, even as far as like in Graham County, uh, Rorloom and in Asheville, too. Uh, there's just so many great uh, meads that you have, and they're both in the style of wine, but also they can be in the style of kind of a session mead where it's a little bit more carbonated. So you kind of get both the lower ABV and the, the kind of crossover to beer, but then you can also entertain those who like the, the wine styles as well with a little bit higher. Um, I think it, since it is very herbal and very floral, um, you do have to be careful with what you want to pair with it. Our cat is joining in. <laughs> oh, um, I thought that was her baby. Lord. No. I did think that was a baby. I honestly yep. did. Yep. Is, I get that all the time. So it's like, oh, mine's screaming downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> There's some laughs and some screaming. Your baby oh. or your cat? Uh, baby. Okay. <laughs> the cat is hiding from the baby. So with the with the pairings on the mead, though, I would say uh, it, it is a little herbal. And depending on the flavorings or the additives that they add in, uh, you just kind of have to pay attention to it. So they, they do have meads that are kind of fermented with apples as well. So those would pair well with things that you would pair a cider with. They have meads that are uh, fermented with grapes, so those could be kind of an interesting grape crossover. But in general, I mean, I think it's it's great with cheeses as aperitifs. It's great with lighter meats like turkey or chicken. Uh, I think it'd be really good with those. Joe, you're... So I would say any, any mead with fruit, so like pear or even like blackberry, I don't know. I think, again, I go back to the ham. I, I, I think that would go well. And if you're looking for... A cheese pairing with mead, I can't recommend enough the lavender mead from Honey Girl paired with a Humboldt Fog type cheese, kind of that ashy, smoky, uh, creamy, creamy goodness. It just the lavender in the mead just I don't know. It's it's magic, and so I would highly recommend that. And then Joe, do you want to talk about dessert wine? Yeah, we got to have dessert, right? It's the holidays. Um, so in general, pa- with pairing uh, wine with dessert, you want the wine to typically be a little sweeter than, than the, the, uh, dessert, but whatever you like is what you should go with. If you're having like chocolate, I would recommend a port. If you're having pumpkin pie or pecan pie, I would recommend some sort of white wine that's been fortified, obviously, or even just a late harvest. That's, that's, that's fairly sweet. You could even do a, a sweet muscadine, uh, wine with, with pumpkin pie. I think that would go well. Some, Highlights, I think Windsor Run's doing a really good job with their Port Port Wines Midnight Run and the Grand Reserve Midnight Run. Always stellar wines. They also have a new uh, white port, basically. Uh, Now it's called First Light. I believe it's Save All. Or is it Tremonet? I can't remember. We'll put it in the show notes. But it's a fantastic uh, white dessert wine. I know Childress usually has a late harvest Viognier uh, that, that would pair beautifully with pumpkin pie or on pie um but just pair whatever you like i mean mm-hmm. you got all those decadent desserts um i'm thinking about this year doing a cookie just doing like a cookie tray for dessert maybe mulled wine with that depending on so you can go a variety of ways but certainly make sure you have leave room for a dessert wine you just got to be careful if you're doing especially if you're doing a fortified with the alcohol you don't want to mm-hmm. send people over the edge but just a little bit. You don't, you're not going to pour, pour a full glass like you would for a, a red wine, maybe, or a white wine. But 
yeah, have fun with it. Have fun with the desserts. I would love to hear listeners if you want to leave us a comment or or something to tell us about what your, your pairings would be. I think that would be be great. But some of the things we like to do, um, I know there are a few wineries that'll have like a, a late harvest petite man saying. I think Parker Benz used to have one. Again, for me, pumpkin pie keeps coming to mind. I know I keep saying that, but maybe even coconut pie, coconut cream pie. Those would be good pairings with it as well. Coconut creme brulee. The thing that sticks out to me, Hanover Park does Vent d'Orange. That orange, uh, that it's it's made from a recipe from Provence where you're, you're taking, I think there's a rosé wine base, but then you're adding oranges and lemons, lemons and, ci- and ci- all sorts of citrus with, with spices. That pairs beautifully with uh, coconut creme brulee or anything with coconut, in my opinion. So those, I think, are good options for holidays some of that sounds really good i didn't hear nobody speak on no fruitcake and i do like fruitcake so <laughs> oh yeah i know everybody is not a fan of fruitcake but you know i hate it when i see these types of things and nobody want to say anything about fruitcake so i have a <laughs> recipe my grandmother every christmas would make an orange slice cake so it was it was using the orange slice candy so it was you know not quite fruitcake i guess because it wasn't really fruit it was just Candy. But there's but dates in there. There's dates in there. Lots of dates, lots of coconut, um, nuts, and it's just fantastic at the holidays. And there's like a little and glaze you, with and orange. So and so when you when you drink wine with that, what do you, what what I do would, you recommend? So I would like that? I would recommend the Vendorange d'Orange again from Hanover Park just okay. because the orange. You could certainly do you know any kind of white dessert wine. I think would would probably work well with it. And mm-hmm. and you might even do a port. I mean, because mm-hmm. orange, it might it might go okay with with a port. Um, but I would probably stick with the white, but it'd be interesting to try it with the port just to see what it would be like. That's good to know. It's a lot of good information, you guys. Thanks so much for this. You know, Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing for me is, is providing diversity. Sure. But not too much, you know, for your guests, because like going into a restaurant that has 15 pages of of food, you're like, what the heck? (laughs) So you want to, you know, you want to kind of pare it down. Don't overdo it because then you confuse people. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, thank you all for joining us tonight. Uh, maybe let's go around one more time and tell folks where to find you on your website or your website, your URL, I guess, and your social media so that folks can know where to go and look for your wine tips. So Pam, why don't you go ahead and start? Okay, thank you again. My name is Pam Riley. I am the creator of Food & Wine Chronicles, which is at foodandwinechronicles.com. On Instagram, it's also the same, Food & Wine Chronicles. If you go to Twitter, I'm FW Chronicles. Um, And on Facebook, it is the same as well. You can find me in North Carolina if you physically want to find me. I'm Jessica with the Wine Mouths. We're at winemouths.com or winemouths on Instagram and Facebook and also TikTok. And I think we have a Twitter, too. (laughs) Um, <laughs> we're all over. Um, and that's M O U T H S, not like a mouse, like a squeaky mouse. Wine mouth. Always important. Yes. Okay. Uh, again, I am Arthur Barham with Merlot Two Muscadine, and that's the number two. And I have a website under the same URL, Merlot Two Muscadine, as well as a presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I look forward to seeing more followers because Lord knows I'm trying to get to 2,000. Okay, again, Dave Nershi, publisher of Venosphere. Uh, I can be found at vino-sphere.com. 
And then on Instagram and Twitter, it's Vino underscore Sphere. Uh, and then we also have a Facebook page as well. Perfect. Well, Pam, Jessica, Arthur, and Dave, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to our listeners. And cheers. 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 That's it for this episode of Cork Talk. Thanks again to our blogger friends. We hope you like their suggestions and we'll try some at your holiday table this year. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps others find Cork Talk and lets us know how we can improve. Did you know we have a Patreon page? You'll get patron-only content, early access to each show, and more when you sign up. You can find more information at patreon.com slash corktalk. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NC Wine Guys. Until next time, happy holidays, and remember, a cork only talks when it's out of the bottle. Cheers! Cork Talk is a free run LLC production. This episode is made possible in part by a grant from the North Carolina Wine and Grape Council.